Today's scripture reading comes from various portions of Genesis chapter 41, verse 7. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Verse 14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given, given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country will not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Verse 53. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph and do what he tells you. This is the word of God. We're concluding uh, our series in the book of Genesis uh, with the life of Joseph. And through Joseph, we learn that the silence of God is not equal to the absence of God. In fact, God is doing 10,000 10, things for his glory and for our good, even though he's silent. In fact, sometimes he's more powerful 
in his silence. Now, Joseph. Joseph is favored by his father. And then what happens? He gets sent down to the pit. And he's left for dead. He's favored by Potiphar. And then what happens? He gets sent down to the pit. And he's left for dead. And all that time he's in the pit. All that time he's in prison. Does God reach out to him? Does God speak to him? Does God appear to him? No. He's silent. How do you hear God in times of isolation? How do you hear God in desperate moments of loneliness and despair? How do you experience God or, or feel God, so to speak, during times of, of dis-ease and discomfort? This passage says there are are three ways that we do. One, through the silence of God, through the actual silence. Two, through the word of God. And lastly, through others, through community. Through silence, through God's word, through community. First, we're going to look at uh, through the silence of God, we can hear God, ironically. Joseph uh, is 17. When his brothers throw him into the cistern, into the pit in chapter 37, And by the time we get to this chapter, in chapter 41, Joseph is 30. So between Potiphar's house and prison, about 13 years have gone by, and there's complete silence. But notice here, in prison, Joseph doesn't cry out. Why? You don't see him complaining. You don't see him crying injustice. He's being humbled. He's starting to get it. Because in each of these cases, Joseph is starting to recognize a pattern. In each of these circumstances, he gains favor. First time, he gains favor with his father. The second time, he gains favor with Potiphar. And this time, in prison, at the end of chapter 39, he gains favor with the warden of the prison. Joseph is starting to realize it's not just a string of good luck. It's not because he's got these great gifts and skills, and so I'm being noticed. Of course, that's not what he says. He he realizes no matter where he was, the circumstances seem to be getting worse. There's greater injustice. He's in a foreign land. He's in prison. And yet Joseph experiences favor. He didn't earn it. He didn't deserve it. it. He didn't earn his intelligence. He didn't earn his handsome good looks. He's left for dead, completely disregarded by the world. But in that silence, he saw that God must be active. In the silence. And so Joseph started to learn to look beyond his immediate circumstances. And it gave him poise. It gave him poise. The current situation didn't define, didn't determine Joseph's response. Joseph learned not to depend on his skills. Joseph learned not to depend on his wealth or his power or his family even. Because when he did, whenever he did that, it spoiled him. His pride ruined him. Joseph learned in prison to always depend on the Lord. What is sin? Sin is a desire to be independent of the Lord. To seek power and wealth and intimacy apart from the Father when God is the ultimate source of power and wealth and intimacy. Joseph is uh, separated from his family now. Um, ultimately for 22 years. That's a long time. Decades he's apart from his family. He could have been in prison. He could have been isolated anywhere between two and 13 years. And in this passage, he talks about seven years of famine, a global economic depression that goes seven years. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar to us? In all these years, 
God seems absent. God seems silent. In fact, you don't hear or read of a single written account during this time of how Joseph felt. Can you imagine this? I mean, in jail anywhere between 2 and 13 years for a crime he did not commit. And those prisons, these prisoners did not have rights. They're, they're not shown uh, any type of humane empathy like we were shown today in our prisons. And so Joseph, there's not a single written account of how he acted, how he felt, or even the suffering he endured during that time. But Joseph knows what we often forget. We often forget, so we look to visible things, audible things for rescue, when God's silence should actually remind us of his presence, a presence that's even more powerful than the silence, a presence that's actually more active in the silence sometimes. It works better in the silence. You need to trust him. You need to trust him. That means you can go to him. You can go to him anywhere, anytime, What's, no matter what state you're in, even if you're down in the pit, even if you're down in misery, in desperation, you can go to him. Sometimes he's all we got. That's the first point. Now, the second point is you hear God through his word. God speaks through Pharaoh's uh, two dreams. He has a dream about the cows, and then he has a dream about the grain. And he wakes up, and he's troubled. He's distressed. And the first part of today's passage, it teaches us remarkable things about the gospel. Number one, look who God chooses to speak to. He chooses to speak to Pharaoh. You got to think about this because to Joseph, for over a decade almost, God is silent, but he speaks to Pharaoh through his dreams. Pharaoh doesn't deserve God. He's not looking for God. He's not acknowledging God. In fact, Pharaoh thinks he is a God. How did he start to actually get God? And this teaches us a fundamental truth about the gospel. It's not about deserving. It's not about earning. You see, a religious person, somebody who's grown up in a church, does all the right things. You heard that in today's brief testimony account. You can go to church Friday and Sunday every week and still not get God. A religious person experiences, when a religious person says, you know, I've obeyed, I've done all these things, I'm a good person. So when they look for God, they deserve to see God. They deserve to feel God. So when a religious person experiences the silence of God, they get frustrated, they get anxious, they get depressed. Because when that darkness hits, when that pit When you're in the pit, when you're in isolation, you start to blame yourself. Maybe it's something I did. You start to blame other people. Maybe it's something they did. You start to blame God. Maybe it's something he's doing. If Joseph lived like that, if he just lived like a religious person, he'd be in despair. You'd see despair. That's what, but you see God reaches out to people like Pharaoh, not because they deserved it, completely changes a religious person's view of who God chooses to go to and who God is drawn to. Now, number two, Joseph is suffering, but God becomes more real to him through his weakness, through the isolation. That isolation gives him a strength. It gives him a wisdom to persevere. Pharaoh, even though he's strong, even though he's powerful, even though he has wealth, he has his dream. That dream is actually a nightmare. And it seems like trouble. He wakes up and he's so disturbed because it looks like trouble, but it's actually God. 
God is speaking through this nightmare. What's a nightmare? What's his nightmare? His nightmare is out of the Nile come seven cows. Very normal in ancient Egypt. But here you see something remarkable. The weak cows devour the fat cows. Then you have these heads of grain. Thin grain, scorched grain, devour the healthy grain. That's, the, that's his nightmare. What's a nightmare? I mean, these cows, the grain, these are things that made Pharaoh feel powerful. This is what gave his country power. This is what gives him a sense of worth, a sense of wealth, a sense of significance, a sense of uh, importance. But just the thought of a famine, just the dream of these things going away and being swallowed up, and Pharaoh is distressed. He's in despair. What's a nightmare? A nightmare is something that if you lose it, it throws you into a deep spiritual famine and emptiness that makes you feel powerless. It makes you feel insignificant and worthless. But God, by his sheer grace, reveals himself to Pharaoh through his nightmare. I mean, through the worst thing that could ever happen to him, God reveals himself, and that nightmare starts to humble him. Religious people say only the good people see God. But the gospel teaches only the humble people, only the broken people, only the weak people see God. And so your weakness, your brokenness, it's not the end of your life. It could actually be the beginning of new life. If you're broken, if you're in sin, if you're in guilt, if you're in shame, if it's humbling you, you may be able to see God. That's what it means. Pharaoh is powerful. Pharaoh is proud. God speaks to him through his nightmare, and he actually hears. How do you know that? Because the king seeks this prisoner, this lowly prisoner in Joseph. A king seeks out a prisoner, and he actually listens to him. The Pharaoh seeks Joseph, tells him his dream, and Joseph says, this isn't just like an imagination. This isn't just a dream. This isn't outlandish. This is true. This is going to be your reality. And that truth wakes up Pharaoh. What does that tell you about change? What does it tell you about how change happens? If you listen to the truth of God's word as he speaks into your nightmare, change begins as you process, as you process your fears, your nightmares, your losses through the lens of an active God who desires to redeem you. Real change happens as you process your nightmares through the lens of an active God that is for you in the context of your nightmare who desires to rebuild you and redeem you. Now, a lot of us don't see God really because we refuse. We're resistant. We don't want to listen to his word. So instead, we battle God. I mean, don't you dare bring your nightmare into my life. I want the dream, is what we say. And what's the result? The Pharaoh, he wakes up. He's sleepless. He's distressed. He's anxious. He's depressed. God brings this nightmare into his life, and it makes him quake. It shakes him to his foundations, and that's what he does to us. Real nightmares are like grenades. They go off into your worldview, 
So you have this outlook in life, and a grenade gets hurled into it. You think, oh, you know, this is what's going to make you. Wealth is what's going to make you. Your power and your titles, your family, your children, a good neighborhood. Those are the things. The security of my family, intimacy with my wife, intimacy with a significant other. These are the things that I need, because if I have these things, it will make me. And then God hurls a grenade into that worldview. And then, boom, everything that you knew is turned upside down. And you realize that you've been overestimating yourself your entire life and underestimating the power of God. But God could actually be ruining you through that nightmare to rebuild you. You got to hear the word of God. You got to hear God through his word. You got to hear the word of God or hear God through his word that speaks into your nightmares to help you process. Lastly, We hear God through others. We hear God through community. God speaks to Pharaoh in a sense. And Pharaoh, he, at the start, he doesn't really understand. But Joseph, I mean, God has been silent in Joseph's life for years, but Joseph gets it. He gets it. What does that tell you? You don't go to God on your own terms. You can't go to God on your own terms. You can't interpret God your own way. I mean, we have a lot of people look at the Bible And they kind of, without any type of structure or framework, they just start interpreting. And what happens is generally because of the way our hearts are inclined, we interpret the way we want to interpret God. You cannot interpret God your own way. So Pharaoh, at first, he doesn't get it. But then the cupbearer remembers. And so the king calls on this prisoner because that's the cupbearer's response to this. And that's an amazing thing, that the king would go to a prisoner. There is the beginning of humility. And Joseph, he could have responded. He could have been bitter because he's been unjustly imprisoned. He could have been resistant. He could have been self-seeking, used this as a way of getting an advantage. He could have even been vindictive. But in verse 16, if you look at verse 16, in the English Standard Version, he says five words. In the New International Version, the version that we have printed here, he has four words. I cannot do it. But in Hebrew, it's one word. It's like, him, it's like the Pharaoh tells him all this stuff, and he says, can't. I can't. But God will. Joseph has been humbled. The Pharaoh, humble to hear. Humble to go and listen. Joseph, humbled. He says, I can't. But God will. And together, you have Pharaoh, a deeply irreligious person, and Joseph, at one point, a deeply religious person, both humbled in an encounter with God in their own way, one in the silence, the other, God speaking to them. They come together, and they agree, and they forge a plan together to save their country and God's people and Joseph's family because they heard God in the silence. In your suffering right now, in your weakness right now. There's, I mean, there are so many accounts as a pastor. I mean, you hear about so many people in the church right now, isolated, suffering, sometimes in despair. Are you sensitive to the word of God to bless other people? We don't have the mind. I mean, when you are, when you are uh, suffering and in despair and isolation, your world starts to turn inward. And it's really, really hard to look out. But what this passage is teaching us is that Joseph, who who had every reason to, 
for a decade, he could have trained himself just to look inwardly. He starts to look out. And he uses his skills to bless others. Are you humble enough to partner with people who are totally unlike you? To stop making this about, you know, we we see so many people in the church. I mean, how many times in the New Testament does the Apostle Paul call on people to agree? It's because there's so many differences, so many personality clashes. And oftentimes it's about power and and status and roles and titles and and positions in leadership and, and control to use our gifts. But are you willing to put those things aside? Partner with people who are totally unlike you. In fact, maybe there are people that you've judged at one point. Irreligious people judge religious people all the time. And religious people judge irreligious people all the time. Are you able to partner to use your gifts to bless others? Because God is present and draws both towards repentance and faith, a new life in the gospel. Then God uses you. Joseph says, can't, but God will. That's faith. And that type of faith is the key to salvation. Are you in the pit? Are you in the mire? Does it feel like a prison? Does your room that you're working from home in, does it feel like a prison? Do you feel your life almost enclosing, caving in the same day over and over and over again? These days, you can't go shopping without thinking about death in some ways. Death to yourself or death to your family. Things that you did every day, go out for a jog. Now you have to rethink everything. Are you in the pit? God is speaking maybe into your nightmare. How do you respond? Despair? Pride? A Christian says, I can see God in this silence. A Christian says, I can hear God speaking through my dashed dreams, my nightmares, and I'm all ears. I'm willing to listen. Whether you're coming from a Pharaoh perspective or a Joseph perspective, irreligious or religious, A Christian says, I can see God in my silence and I can hear God speaking through my dashed dreams and I'm all ears, I'm ready to listen. What does Joseph say? Both dreams, Pharaoh, both dreams are the same. You're gonna have seven years of abundance and then seven years of famine. Everything that you thought you had, everything that you've been building, everything that gave you power and worth, everything that you've been working towards and slaving over, it will be lost, it will be swallowed up. And then he counsels Pharaoh, And he says, what you need to do is you need to appoint commissioners to launch a nationwide food storage program during these seven years. In other words, what he's saying is, we are in an economic bubble right now. You can't see that far ahead, but I'm telling you, that's what this dream is about. We are on a bubble. And one day, in seven years, that bubble is going to pop. So stop throwing your power around and your wealth around just to serve yourself. Stop throwing your money around just to serve yourself. Don't waste this time. Store it to bless other people. And the country, your household will not be ruined. Now think about this. Joseph could have shrunk back and cowered. I mean, he just got, this is his ticket out of prison. He could have said what the Pharaoh would have wanted to hear. Right? The king, what he wanted to hear. But he was humbled, not just broken, he was humbled to the Lord. He saw God in this. And so that gave him the courage and the poise to counsel Pharaoh and speak into Pharaoh, the king, a higher person, without fear. 
Now think about this. He doesn't say God is in control, so you don't have to do anything because that would have been a lie. He doesn't say God is not control, so you have to do everything because that would have been a lie. You would have been self-deceived. He says God is in control, but he placed you here as king. Be responsible. You have to do what you are called to do. And so Pharaoh places Joseph in charge, and Joseph goes from the pit to becoming prime minister of Egypt. This is a prisoner who becomes the prime minister. Humility enables you to call on people who are totally different from you, different color, different race, different background, different pedigrees, different professions and career paths, different personalities, people who just come from different vantage points, who are humble and sensitive to God's word to give you wise counsel regarding your nightmares. These are people that you never would have gone to, but because of their wisdom, because of their own humility in the Lord, you go to them to hear counsel regarding, hey, will you help me interpret what I'm going through right now? Help me interpret my nightmare. Now, you have to be in a certain place to be, have to, to be able to hear that. You know, you, your heart can't be resistant, but then outwardly you're like, I'm ready to hear, Right? In fact, it's probably better to be outwardly resistant, but then inwardly ready. You have to be in a place where you're ready to hear this, where you can go to somebody and say, I'm experiencing a nightmare right now. My world is falling apart, and I can't make sense of it. Where is God in this? Can you help me see him? To wise people, not just friends, not just people in the church that you have social connections with, wise people that you can rely on for truth. Right now, if you are not reaching out to somebody in the midst of this trial, in the midst of this prison, in the midst of this isolation, with the economy just tanking, a famine upon us, jobs are being lost, people are running around in fear, and they are not being responsible. If you are not doing that, you are not being responsible. And you're not interpreting God's voice properly in your life. To reach out to community, to Metro, we love that word, community. It's almost like a, so one of those words, the blessing of a word, and at the same time, it's a curse because everybody uses it, and it becomes almost, we take it for granted. Real community is courageous. It's truthful. It's very truthful, but it's sensitive to God. And as a result, real community is going to help you interpret the silence, the isolation, uh, the word of God, the silence of God, the isolation that you experience, and oftentimes the confusing words that you read in Scripture. And real community always draws us close to a real Savior, a real King, one that we've imprisoned, one that is majestic and yet humbled himself and became weak. One that did no wrong, but was punished unjustly like Joseph. One that was treated as a prisoner, but became the ultimate king, the ultimate ruler, the ultimate prime minister, the ultimate savior. The Pharaoh's vulnerability became real through the counsel that he received, but we have a greater Joseph who not only interprets God's word to reveal how vulnerable we are, but he became vulnerable in our place to give us his strength. So on the cross, there was a real earthquake. The Bible says that the, that the rocks split open, the holy temple curtain tore from top to bottom, 
And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What he's saying is, I am now experiencing a soulful earthquake. My life is being shaken to the core. Why? Because God has departed from me. I am in the ultimate prison. The wrath of God is being poured out on me for the penal- as a penalty for other people's sins. But when I cried out, when I cried out to God, God was truly silent. God was truly absent. How do people in prison become like the prime minister? How do people in prison become like the king? You need to look at the ultimate king who went to prison for our sakes. Jesus Christ is saying, I am the king. I'm greater than Pharaoh. But on the cross, I suffered the ultimate nightmare. Losing the father, the core of my joy, the core of my worth, the core of my significance, the core of my wealth. And I'm suffering then the ultimate famine. And so on the cross, he said, I am thirsty. I'm hungering for righteousness, for the approval of God. And it shook him to the core and it ruined him. Ultimately ruined him. Why? Jesus Christ suffered the famine so that we would have the abundance. Jesus Christ suffered the famine so that we would have a feast. Jesus Christ suffered the ultimate nightmare, the ultimate loss, so that we would experience the ultimate redemption, the ultimate salvation. When you see that Jesus Christ became vulnerable for you so that you would have power, so that you would have strength, God's presence would be with you that will humble you because you did nothing to earn him. You did nothing. You did not deserve it. That would humble you. It should. It should break you and humble you. You're going to say, I can't. I can't get to God on my own. I can't interpret my suffering on my own. But Jesus Christ did it for me. My life could have been a famine, but Jesus Christ turned it into a feast. And you know what the mark of that is? I'm going to show you, share some brief application here. One, you're going to be able to speak truth, give counsel. Two, you're going to be able to receive truth. You're going to be able to ask for counsel. By the way, that's what it means to have gospel wisdom, to be able to speak truth into a person's nightmare and to be able to receive truth in our nightmares. If the gospel isn't personal, you may be able to speak truth, but you're not going to be able to receive it. Or you may be able to ask for counsel, but you'll never be able to speak it. Or you'll be able to ask for counsel, and you'll never really listen to it. So your pride never really goes away. In fact, your life is still built around your pride and your ego. It's preventing you from seeing God. And so when there's a silence of God, you will be frustrated and anxious and depressed. Right? But you're also going to be able to lack courage. And because you lack courage, and your pride hasn't gone away, it's going to lead to sleeplessness. It's going to lead to despair, distress. But if the gospel is personal in your life, you're going to be able to seek counsel from people you never saw counsel from before. You never would have thought to speak, seek counsel from before. And you're going to be able to call them friends. The gospel makes brothers out of people from different races and generations and career paths, life stages, educational status, socioeconomic status, You may at one point dismiss them as prisoners. Now they're going to become your partners. You see that? 
Fourth, some of us here are suffering uh, immensely. You know, your resources are inadequate. And you're kind of in a wall of uh, fear or despair. Maybe it's because families are suffering right now financially. Maybe you're suffering financially. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you know people are sick. Either way, there's a lot of suffering right now going on. And one thing this, this type of suffering teaches us is that our resources are inadequate. But God is revealing himself in the silence through our greatest nightmares to shape you in your weakness, to humble you and lead you to trust in Jesus more, to trust him as your savior, to trust him in you as your Lord, and to look at that, to trust, to see somebody as your Lord is to trust him as king. God is revealing himself in that silence. Can you hear him? Can you look to hear him? Lastly, in this kind of time of uh, social distancing, working from home, how are you at work? How are you at home at this time? When you do well, oftentimes we're bold, but we're not humble. And when we fail, we're oftentimes humble, but not bold. We're self-serving. It's all about us. We're not thinking about other people. Do you have the humility and the courage to use your skills, to use your gifts, to use your resources to bless other people, to maybe even help redeem and bring other people back to life because the ultimate king favors you? Do you see the pattern of God's favor in your life? that you can apply in the midst of your distress because that will help to heal you in your suffering but also heal others through your gifting and through your blessing. Can you do that? Joseph did it, saved a country, saved a household, saved God's people, redeemed God's people. And if God can do that through a prisoner in the mire, surely he can do that through you. Will you do that and reflect on that today? Let's pray.